0: The Paul Leslie Hour Helping people tell their stories And now, your host, Paul Leslie Hey, it's me Alright folks, on this episode of the Paul Leslie Hour I'm going to be playing a blast from the past This interview was recorded in, I believe, 2006 It is with the legendary Jerry Jeff Walker Jerry Jeff Walker is the songwriter of... Mr. Bojangles, the most famous version being, of course, recorded by the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. Other than that, I know Harry Belafonte recorded it, Bob Dylan, many, many artists. So this interview goes back to 2006. It was recorded in Key West, Florida. I remember we were sitting at this little table. We were right on the ocean. You could look out and see the blue water there was a breeze, there were all kinds of pelicans and stuff. It was very relaxing. And seated with him, he doesn't talk in the interview, but it's just an interesting little tidbit, was Justin Neal. And Justin Neal is the son of the late Fred Neal. Fred Neal being the writer of Everybody's Talking to Me and many other songs, a folk legend. So that was interesting. And the quality of the interview, in terms of sound, in, in certain terms of the sonic quality, is not great, but it has a certain ambiance. I don't find it distracting. I think it sounds real. With no further ado, here is the interview with Jerry
1: Jeff Walker. Ready to rip? Yep. All right. We're welcoming Mr. Jerry Jeff Walker a man who has influenced Americana, country,
2: tropical, and folk music. I would like to say that anything you say can be used against you, (laughs) be advised of that. He's a cornerstone of
1: American music, so we welcome Mr. Jerry Jeff Walker. Hey! So tell me, Mr. Walker, a little bit about uh, how you got
2: started in music. Oh crap. All the way back there, why don't you read my autobiography? called Gypsy Songman. Song yeah. By yeah. The guy last night that we all came down here together with me, Buffett and uh, Tom Corcoran. He said he just read it. Anyway, so it tells you, I just basically just hitchhiked out of a small town upstate New York and went to see America. Fortunately, the folk, folk boom was on. There were coffee houses on campuses everywhere, and you could go to any big city and ask where the coffee where the campus was, and you'd probably find a coffee house with a billboard saying riders needed to go to California. Riders wanting to go to New Orleans, pay gas, jump in and go. So anyway, there was it was a good time to be roaming the country. You could still hitchhike and you could still see the country and that's what I wanted to do and along the way I picked up songs that I thought were kind of unique and whatever and then I started writing a few of my own. What kind of stuff did you listen to uh, when you were starting out becoming interested. Well I learned to play guitar listen to Jimmy Rogers records because the old blues older. he had a real distinct style he did a lot of stuff by himself and he had a picking style that was pretty unique and I kind of copied that I knew he was the father of country music then I listened to some Woody Guthrie and then I was influenced by Ramblin Jack Elliott. as we most of all of us were and then when we crossed into contemporary stuff I was listening to Fred Neal his dad this is Justin Neal and then I listened to Buffett did too and then we listened to um, Dylan of course
1: the rest is and I noticed that uh, just in research that you're uh, you appreciate the this young guy Todd Snyder
2: mm-hmm. that we play sometimes on our show my son my wild son yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's kind of in the tradition that we were in of singer-songwriters, storytellers, a little off the wall, a little cosmic. We used to say we played country music, we just weren't sure what country it was. Because <laughs> we kind of, you know, went everywhere we wanted to. You know. And now it, it is. I mean, it feels overlapping.
1: And speaking of other countries, uh, you spend quite a bit of time in Belize. Mm -hmm. And you have the, was it Casa Gonzo there? Yeah. So
2: tell me about how you uh, first decided to go to the police. Well, I've been here. Mm -hmm. We're in Key West now, in case these people don't know where we're talking. And we were just commenting on the fact how it's gone from a sleepy little fishing village with shrimp boats and I said about three bars that we shot cool and with bad jukeboxes to basically a big t-shirt shop for the cruise ship outside. So when 25 years went by, my wife was managing me, and I actually had extra money that I wouldn't get screwed out of. I uh, we had we decided that we would go look for something within a couple hours of Texas because you go more often. You got to go to Hawaii. and You waste one day getting there, and one day coming home, and probably half a day recovering, and it's real expensive. And I always thought. When I retire somewhere, I don't want to have to have another job to pay the light bill and and buy eggs at the store. But anyway, when we went to Belize, we got a little island, Ambergris Key, and the fact that it's fairly primitive, sand streets, roads, and they don't have a big infrastructure. You couldn't have a hotel like this there; we, it couldn't support it. They're trying to do con. That's the worst thing: these timeshare condos that ever hit the world. That and cruise ships, I think. Are the two most disastrous things. Uh, they leave a bad trail and people don't really get a feel of anything besides eating heavy foods and buying a Jimmy Buffett paraphernalia at that t-shirt shop. <laughs> well, they're going to be there, I guess you might to make money off them but somebody ought to make them do the right thing. They, they're kind of detrimental to wherever they go anyway. They don't do any of that in Belize. We got a reef in front, you can't get in with your cruise ship. We got a little island that's kind of limited by how much it can be developed. And uh, they're very charming people who actually know what they have. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't want it to be like this because they would be the ones pushed out.
1: One of the albums we give a lot of play to on our show is Cowboy Boots and Bathing Suits. Mm -hmm. And that was recorded in Belize.
2: Yeah, about 90% of it was, yeah. 90% of it. I think I did one when I got back home, but I, I we did some at Pito's and some at my house. In fact, I thought his dad song. I called the Fred Med, where I did uh, a little bit of rain and everybody's talking and all that. You know. Did that right in the living room.
1: And if if I remember, the end of the song, come along to Belize with me. Come away to Belize. Come away to Believe yeah. with me. You hear the people applauding? Is mm-hmm. that a live
2: track? Yeah, well, the whole it. album was live, wasn't it? Not well. There was about five tracks that we cut that afternoon at Fido's. We did that one and Barefooting, and, and we did Champagne. Don't hurt me, baby. Cocaine's not we did that one and then we did Wanted for Love and we did about five of them that way and then then I went down to my house. I've done that before. I kind of wanted one where I didn't have to, to really uh, appease the crowd. I just wanted to get lost in the moment. We cut uh, The Moon Is Still Over his Shoulder, we cut uh, Everybody's Talking, we cut, uh, I'll put, cut a few more precious feeling once there and then I went down to the dining room of the Victoria House and I cut uh, the song Cowboy Boots and Bathing Suits the song? that didn't have a name that was the title I wanted oh, for the album I so that. I gave it to that song cause
1: hmm.
2: you're getting out the cowboy boots packing up your bathing suits I thought I wanted the album to denote that it was still our band playing music that we weren't completely island so right. on the next album it may be more Island I may use steel drum and, not steel drum but timbales shakers congas and get more of that rhythmic feel
1: the one song you mentioned uh, the moon is still over her shoulder that's probably my favorite cut from the album that was written by Hugh Presswood wasn't right. it
2: wait, wait, it had been cut by um, Michael Johnson singer songwriter from Minneapolis area who was, was living in Nashville and when I first heard it, I thought, that song is fantastic. And it's one of those Jerry Jeff Kiss of Death. As soon as I said that, I never heard it again on the radio. <laughs> and so I went kind of looking for it, and I ran into another songwriter, Whitey Schaefer, who wrote probably all George Straits hits. Exes Live in Texas, and, uh, and a bunch of stuff. Anyway, I, I told Whitey, I said, boy, oh, I heard this song, Moose Show. He says, and the moon is still over her shoulders. He said, oh, what a great line. And I said, Yeah, i would never hear it. And he said, yeah, He Prestwood wrote that. So I actually called his office and sent me a copy of his demo. And that's sort of what I based it on. Have you met Mr. Presswood? No, no, I've never not. met him. Have you? No, we've
1: corresponded.
2: Oh. Uh, I I like his songwriting. That's only one I know. I mean, I just kind of find a song and if I like it, I like it. And I don't care who's writing it. And, I just, I was a big fan of Paul Williams because he wrote that Rainbow Connection for the Muppets. <laughs> I thought it was a great song. I thought the
1: Muppets did a number of good songs to me, be, to be huh? He wrote
2: a lot of those. In <laughs> fact, uh, he's very proud of those now. Rainbow Connection is a great song. That's where he's sit, kind of sitting on the log singing it at the beginning huh. of the movie.
1: What other songwriters would you have to give a tip to
2: the hat to? Guy Clark. Guy Clark. Rodney Crowell. Uh, of course Fred, Fred Neal, of course. And I'm starting to hear him on XM radio and I'm proud of that. You got to play him on your Caribbean stuff, Freddie has a lot of great island Caribbean stuff. Of course everybody's talking this beat song about being in a hotel somewhere and wanting to go where the wind is. Every time I feel the northeast wind from my house down in Belize, I always think of Fred. Prevailing wind, which we don't have today, do we? We don't know where it is. But Occasionally, it's trying to get here. They said there's a storm off, out there, a pressure system, and a wind trying to come down through Florida to clean this out. But whether it makes it, we don't know.
1: And you were mentioning the possibility of doing another uh, album that may have an island sound with yeah. timbales. You said you may call it
2: Passport. That was. My wife said let me keep your old passport. That does feel like a good album. Passport means I can go anywhere. Right. And uh, it's a pretty good theme because I've got some songs that actually don't have anything to do with island stuff. I wrote a wedding song for my wife. I wrote a song for my son and I who both do the same thing. It's like Father Like Son that everybody likes and I've had it around for a couple of years. I wrote it with Django and we've, been, we've only played it twice but we played it once on the Dynamo show. And, Phones lit up. Where can we get it? So we better record it at some point. I just have not felt like sitting for a week and recording a dozen songs. I don't even know if we're, if it's going to be records right. or CDs. I mean, with all the streaming now, and I might just sell them from my website. I mean, we're that close. Hmm. Screw it. Get rid of the jewel boxes. Get rid of that that shit you always lose when you open it. I think the thing comes apart. Jewel cases always crack. Yeah, well, they're case? terrible and they're, okay. we tried to get rid of them by uh, going to what's called the DigiPack and then we finally, I thought, well maybe they're just going to go away. Power records is closed. Hmm.
1: You were mentioning your wife and she's planning, or she has uh, some plans
2: to, she'd like to open a school for musicians. Mm-hmm. Music school, yeah. based on LIPA, the school my son went to in Liverpool. It's a one or two years music school where you go and learn basically at a younger age 17 to 22 somewheres in there about the music business and uh, kind of learning about keeping your copyrights <laughs> uh, and then maybe doing you know learning to do a little bit of pro tools and work in the studio and and just be in an environment where you can write and play and be in Austin where there's a lot of music around. You can go see it at night and then come back in the daytime and and just learn about the business before you just step out there and get knocked around like we all did. More like to learn about the business side. Well, sneak it in on you. You tell them yeah. you're going to teach a business side, nobody will go. Oh, yeah. Come play guitar and meet some other guitar players and while you're there we'll sneak it in on you. And they're not heavy, just enough that you can find out what copyright publishing does, how you can do it, um, basically how to read a base of contract, and you know, make some demos, make tapes, and play with some other fellow musicians and be in the music town.
1: As a Texan, what do you think about the idea of Kinky Friedman being a governor?
2: Well, I think it'd be good because Kinky's smart and he's a good guy and uh, I think he'd be a good ambassador for Texas. In Texas, the governor doesn't have much power. Mm-hmm. He can appoint people to certain positions, uh, you know, head of the Parks and Wildlife or something like that, but he can't, he doesn't do anything legislatively. The, the, the lieutenant governor really leads the Senate, sort of like the vice president does in there. They did it that way because after the Civil War during Reconstruction, the United States government made a governor in Texas, and he basically was part of a shenanigans deal to take land away from people who owned it, carpetbaggers. And so when Texas got rid of him, he got rid of both the first governor, and said, let's give him no power, so that'll never happen again. So basically, Pinky would be perfect for that. Maybe be a goodwill ambassador. He'd make comments, social comments, and maybe send Texas in a direction of alternative fuels, which he's talked about and things like that. I don't know. It's an uphill battle. Mm. Texas is pretty conservative, except for Austin, where the faint blue spot in the middle of a dark red sea.
1: As we mentioned earlier, this interview is taking place in Key West, and we're well, overlooking the water.
2: Was it November
1: 2nd or 3rd? November 2nd, yeah. And yeah. there's pelicans lying around. It's very beautiful. But speaking of Key West, mm-hmm. uh, you, you were the one that brought Jimmy Buffett here.
2: He'd mentioned he'd like to come down. I told him he, I was living in Coconut Grove. I was living right around the corner from Freddie and Justin when he was little. And I said, if you're ever down this way, come. He came to play some little club in, in the Grove. And the guy basically told Jimmy that he booked him another time. Basically put his gigs. So Jimmy was here. there didn't have anything to do. And when he got out of the house, I said, hey, we've been thinking about going to Key West. So I always wanted to go. Let's go. We so put a bunch of shit in our car and tied my bike on the roof and took off my 49 Packard. In fact, there's a picture of it in uh, one of the books. Or Jimmy knew how to use it. Was he sitting on the Packard or something? Yeah, in front of the Packard, yeah. I think yeah, that was, that was my old Packard. We drove, we drove it down here and uh, kind of hung around for a while. Then I was going in now uh, playing gigs and Jimmy was going back to Nashville. I think he was married to uh, Margie, uh, what was his name?
1: Margie, yeah. Yeah. So the Washer yeah. Checker, I don't know how to pronounce yeah.
2: it. <laughs> anyway, he was, and he was trying to get that wrapped up and then go back and forth and we'd see each other here. But yeah, basically we got him down here. but. I just happened to be driving the car. He'd eventually got here. think so? Yeah. He what, was 150 miles away.
1: Yeah. What was it about Key West? Uh, I think in the book, in Jimmy's book, he mentions that you'd been there before and you kind of knew this town.
2: Well I'd also stopped in all the bars. Got yeah. through the, as we stopped he said I knew, I seemed to know every bartender and every... <laughs> Well, we once you left the, the mainland of Florida as you got into the Keys, If you got down to Key Largo, there was a little place to pull in, some old sea captain had a bar and we'd stop and have a beer with him and shoot the shit and the place was all funky up. and then we'd go on and we'd drive a little farther and then we'd be to you know, to another key and we'd stop and then down to Big Pine at the Big Pine Inn and we stopped there. I think that's burned down and then we come on in and we stopped over at Stock Island, which is the funky little place north of here and then Finally on down into Key West. I'd been going back and forth a little bit. I'd actually lived on Summerlin Key the very first time I came down. The very first time I came for, I lived in Summerlin Key where he's living now. And then I moved back to the Grove because it was handier to get to the airport for me to go out and play. I'd had a head from Mr. Bogangles and I was doing the singer-songwriter deal and all that. But I'd always heard from everybody else that you had to really see Key West and was these great old sea captains houses and everything else, but we got way the hell down here, stuck out on the end of this island, there wasn't any music. Mm. I mean Jimmy went and made his music in Nashville with Mike Utley and Matt, and put his little head band together, but we couldn't make anything here. Mm. There was nobody to pick with, there was nobody to jam with. I already had songs written, but I couldn't play them. I mean I, mean, I wanted to work them up and everything, and so I'd made albums, I'd made five albums already, and I had done them in Memphis and done them in Nashville, but I wanted to get a band of comrades, who, friends, who, who kind of knew some of the same styles I did. If you play a rock song, you play it rocky. If you play a country song, you play it country. They know immediately by the timber of the song what's what's the right thing to play. So when I finally got down here, I said, i got to get out of here and I, one year I got arrested 11 times I figured that was well, I had my whole factory, they knew it was me every night about every second night I, there's that little thing here the judge's son is the lawyer and you pay him $300 and the thing goes away and then they came and told me finally that it was time for me to go find something on the mainland that they were a little tired of my raucous ways so actually I got kicked out of here but when a man's down kick him give him incentive to rise above it anyway I flew out to Texas sold my Packard and went to Texas. That sounds like a song. <laughs> well it was a low pressure system like we have today and it came in and it hung here for about three weeks and I was antsy anyway and they would already talked to me about going and I thought I got to get on with my music and I knew my record, my manager had signed with a record company five months ago. He said find where you want to record. I said I better get going. So I said I'll stop in Austin. If it ain't there, I'll go on. I didn't want to go to California, but the Eagles were around and I think they were scratching. There was Jackson Brown, that kind of stuff. I knew something was going on and I had to figure out where I wanted to be. So anyway, I got on with it. Uh, What was the question? (laughs) The Starbucks is kicking in finally. (laughs) Do so you still
1: uh you know, you kinda had a reputation you had a reputation anyways for being kind of a party animal. Yeah. Do so you still get wild every now and then? I don't know. Don't know.
2: <laughs> I was trying to think the last time we got wild. We did stay up at a casino in uh, Lake Charles one night. kind of hitting the tables and running around. But that's the last time we really I were just drinking beef. And I hated myself. I have have a few physical problems. I have to work out every day, swim, do yoga and stuff, so I pretty much work on that shit. One of our listeners... It's maintenance we're doing. Bodily maintenance. Yeah, bodily maintenance. It's like having that old uh, Chris Craft motorboat that was all wood that you have to varnish every six months and sand and repaint. But it looks good. That's me. I'm an old Chris Craft. One of our listeners wanted to know about what was
1: the influence behind his favorite Jerry Jeff song, and that was getting By. It
2: was his favorite Jerry Jeff song. And he wanted to know the influence behind that. There was no influence behind it. None? There wasn't even a song. All I have was the chorus. Getting by, getting by, not trade. I didn't I didn't even know what the hell it was about. And we got to Luke we were just, to work on the album and I told the guys I got this little melody what is it so Bob said just wing a verse so I said hello in the truck we had to make sure that the recording truck was working because it was live remote control recorded there weren't many remote vehicles at that period of time even we were the first ones to take someplace like to a town that didn't even have the right electricity we had to bring electricity in and we plugged in the truck and I wasn't sure it was gonna all work so I said hello in the truck it's just Camp walker time again. I'm just making it up as a goal. And then we got to the chorus, it was getting by and getting by with my stock and chain. Everybody was playing it and so when it got time to turn on the machine, they said, yeah it's working they we're recording well, let's just take one. Hmm. And I said, hi buckaroo, Camp walker time again. I'm going to try to slide one by you once more. That was the first line, I, did. I was just making it up basically to get to the chorus, which is funny. I heard a songwriter the other day said, how'd you get into songwriting? He said, well, I used to make up, everybody knew the chorus, but nobody could remember the verses. So like 50 song, you could make up the verses. The songs were doo woppy doo woppy. So you just make up verses to get to the chorus. That's basically what I was doing to getting by. And I've been making them up ever since. I have to make them up every night. There is no verses. Now the guy knows. Now he knows. Usually that's kind of a good thing because it kinda of puts me in the moment. Hi i, I to say hi Buckaroos and then here we are. It's I'll be tonight it'll be something like that. Here we are in Key West again. I'm sliding by Out
1: of all the songs you've written, which one would you say is your personal favorite?
2: Nope. No, there's some different ones for different reasons. Woman in Texas is a good song for my wife. I wrote a wedding song for my daughter and our son-in-law. I really liked it a lot. I haven't recorded that yet. Um, my old man was about a um, one night in a life of a traveling musician, sort of. Little Bird, still a favorite. I like Come Away to believe with me because that was my first impressions of San Pago. I wrote it on the end of my boat dock when it wasn't built yet. I had to climb out on these. There were just posts sticking up. And I worked my way out to the end. They had one board across the end to hold the two posts together. I sat on that board and started making up the song. And That still holds up. I mean, when I sing it, I think, oh yeah, I remember that. That's and the Long Boat Dock, Covered with some big suits. Susan said, that's a Jerry Jeff song, I ever heard of one.
1: You do an annual convention every year for your fans?
2: No, I don't do a convention, I do a party in Austin.
1: Party? Yeah, for birthday.
2: Oh yeah, the, the birthday party. Yeah, I guess conventions sounds a little formal. Jimmy's mm-hmm. got a goddamn merchandising table in the hotel lobby. I mean, I got to take this shit home and write it down. <laughs> Well, I, my fans buy a lot of shit anyway, so I don't really force it on the day such this morning. They were lined up out of the, you got a ballroom, they were lined up out of there buying sacks full of stuff. But, um, no, I, I just have, I come in and I do uh, three shows in three days. Friday Friday night's a bar in town, Saturday night is, is the sort of listening concert, and then sun, Sunday I do an old dance hall, take you back in time. And that's really about it, basically. So they just come in and stay at hotels that we sort of suggest. Yeah, but nothing like this. Is there
1: anything out there that you wanted to do or that you plan on doing in the future? I mean, you have all these
2: albums to your credit. No, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sort of limited by how good I feel. I wish I could have a, I wish I was on my way to St. Moritz with a hundred hits of uh, what, ecstasy, <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't been. I'm going to go to Belize and do some stuff and I'd actually thought about getting a little catamaran and going and sailing around some of those islands down there. There's about a thousand islands between uh, St. Uh, Amberges Key and, and Roatan and do some little, see who's there and do a little investigating and and have some fun, but I haven't been able to kind of get that organized yet. So those are some future daydreams. In fact, I started a song the other day about... disappearing. But I didn't give very far. So I'll probably be doing the same stuff. Playing some shows, going to Belize. What do you think of... It's women? Women? And women a lot. swim every day. Oh, I think, swimming. Yeah, swimming. No, (laughs) swimming. No, women is dangerous. That's the truth.
1: Tell me about the song, Railroad Lady.
2: Well, it was a little idea, making up an idea about a... You know, we were on the final run of passenger service, and we got to making up an idea about a woman that might have been a party favor or or a bank president or railroad president, and she was going to have to do something very demeaning now that her way of life is being taken away from her.
1: Mm.
2: We started making a lot of fun of it. We we're saying she was cornered in a roundhouse by a smooth-talking switchman, sidetracked, as it were, derailed in and and her life, and, and then she was going to have to give up this life because the beds were unsafe, and the railroad beds. Were. So, and we were doing all this tongue-in-cheek play on word stuff, and it turned out to be pretty neat song. I don't know. It's it's similar to both Jimmy's and I's melodies, so I think we just started playing and singing The Railroad Lady, who was she? The chorus was pretty simple and then we just threw out verses and we went along. And basically Jimmy wrote it down. I, I don't remember. Hmm. Given that this show... Well, I was making up shit all the time back then, but I don't remember. But I was told.
1: Given that this show is broadcast all over the world, my final question to you is what would you, Jerry Jeff Walker, like to say to the world? To the world? Well,
2: I guess anyone that's listening. Oh, get a a life. (laughs) Uh (laughs) I have more important things to do than listen to the internet radio, but I think if it brings charms into your life, good. And, uh, you know... uh, I don't know. It's, uh, hang on. It's going to be a bumpy ride. I appreciate
1: you taking the time to do this. I feel very good about it. Thank you okay. very much.
2: All right. I hope I answered some of your stuff. I appreciate it. Okay. Hey, this is Jerry Jeff Walking. You're listening to Time After Island Time. That'd be funny have you introduced him that he plays a Fred Neil song.
0: The Paul Leslie Hour is hosted, produced, and written by Paul Leslie for Lifestyles Entertainment and Media. The Paul Leslie theme song composed, recorded, and produced by Jeff Pike. Outro music composed, recorded, and produced by John Goodwin, originally appearing in the short film Malukas and Vulnerable Jelly Things. Please consider subscribing to the Paul Leslie Hour. And if you like us, give us a review. It'll help other people to find this content. All past interviews are also available on YouTube. For more information, you can visit thepaulleslie.com and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Paul Leslie. Thanks for listening. Be good.